a dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. Telling a woman that she can't be an elder is a nonsense rule. If they claim to be in the body, we let them have it. Donald Trump is going to win in 2020 by an absolute landslide. Christianizing the American dream. Because the New Testament is utter horse <laughs> It's created by a bishop and a fucking emperor. That's a fact. That's like established religious fact. Sawing is a blessing from God to make you rich. It's like a lottery ticket. The Lord spoke to my heart. Then very few times I've ever heard God be this articulate with me. And I'm telling you word for word, these words came into my heart. I'm not asking you witness me. I'm asking you to brush his hair. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Master's Dog, episode 125. I'm your host, Norm, The Master's Dog Dunham, a.k.a. The Evangelical Norm. So The Master's Dog is a podcast where I deal with false teachers, false doctrines, all that stuff. It started out called Faith and Beliefs Refuted, and I was just responding to a Mormon podcast called Saints Unscripted. It used to be called The Three Mormons. They started this uh, segment of their podcast called Faith and Beliefs, where they were going through just LDS doctrine, breaking it down. And then I was responding to it, talking about how it doesn't line up with, uh, with biblical Christianity. And so through that, it, later on down the road, I decided I wanted to expand it to deal with all kinds of false teachers, not just Mormons or, or cultish uh, false teachings and heretical doctrines, but even those within claiming the name of Christianity. Well, Mormons do that too. But people like Osteen and, and so on, where they would come up with these outlandish things, and I wanted to deal with that. I'm actually going to start doing a whole lot of response videos to, to people on TikTok because that's blowing up, and there's a whole lot of people that are gaining huge followings. Um, many of them will probably end up as a false teacher of the week, but um, I never muted my television. That's, that's professional. I got a football game going in the background. Um, so, uh, a lot of them will show up as false teachers of the week, but there are going to be little things here and there that I'm going to throw up in here, um, and talk about. Um, so stay tuned for those. Keep your eye out. Many of those are going to be coming, but today we are back to the roots of this podcast with David Snell from Saints Unscripted, and he's going to be talking about, uh, flat earth theory and what it boils down to is can the Bible be relied upon to be accurate in areas of like science and so on, or should we just kind of let it go? So as usual, we're going to just let him talk and I will stop and respond as needed as we go. So, excuse me. Here's our friend David Snell from Saints Unscripted. And we're muted. Videos of teenagers trying to Hey guys, so have you ever seen those viral videos of teenagers trying to figure out how to use unfamiliar tools from the distant past, like rotary phones? We have to pick up the phone and then do it? They're funny to watch and all, but there's a lesson there. Before you can use something properly and effectively, you have to understand how it works and how it was intended to be used. When you don't take time to understand the thing, 
you end up looking a little silly and in extreme cases may end up hurting yourself or others. This morning, I knocked myself in the head with the phone. Like teenagers with rotary phones, the Bible is a spiritual tool that all too often we don't know how to use. In this video, we're going to look at one common misunderstanding about the Bible and how we can readjust in order to use this equipment properly. Let's jump in. Okay. First off, I'm going to turn off the captions on this. Can we, can we rightly call the Bible a tool, a spiritual tool? I don't know. I, I don't even, I mean, it's the word of God. There's not a whole lot in learning how to use the Bible. We read it and we obey it, essentially. We, we read it and we believe it. Now, yeah, granted, we have churches and pastors who, who break it down and, and explain things to us and give, bring us you know, teaching about God's word. But it, to say that, they, it, well, I guess, I, I guess I would have to agree that it can be misused um, in ways. But it's an interesting, but again, what, what is happening here is in the Garden of Eden, Satan did two things. One, he caused Eve to question what God's word was. What did God really say? And then he basically removed the penalty for disobedience. You will not surely die. Again, so there's questioning the word of God, questioning what he says, questioning whether or not he truly is going to be just and, and act upon the words and the promises and the judgments that he makes. So that's where we're going here. I mean, it's obvious that this is where we're going. How deep we get, we'll see. How heated I get, that's going to be another issue. All right, so before we get into an example from the Bible, we need to lay some groundwork. Today, most people believe, and rightly so, that the Earth is a globe suspended in space orbiting the Sun. This is our modern understanding of the universe. But, for example, in the ancient Middle East, people generally believed that the Earth was the shape of a flat disk supported by massive pillars. Overhead was a solid dome called the firmament, which kept out the cosmic waters surrounding the Earth. Within the dome, you had the sun, moon, stars, the dry land, oceans, rivers, etc. Some people describe this model as sort of an inverse snow globe, where the inhabitable space is on the inside and the water is on the outside. It's sort of like Sandy's tree dome from SpongeBob. This was the predominant understanding of the universe in the ancient Middle East. The Bible is an ancient Middle Eastern text, but it is also scripture, the word of God, right? So quiz time. When we read the Bible, should we expect to find the incorrect but popular cosmology of ancient times, or should we expect to find our correct but modern understanding of the universe? Well, let's take a sample from the creation account in Genesis chapter 1 and see which model fits best. Here are verses 6 and 7 before dry land and all that good stuff. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. It's the ancient model. In fact, acknowledging this ancient context really helps make sense of these verses. Without that context, it's just really hard to figure out what's going on here. Hey! Okay. 
So here's what we got to do. We don't go, these people got it wrong, and that was what the Bible, that's what, why the Bible says what it is, because they believe that. The reality is, is they misinterpreted what the Bible is saying, and they got their basics wrong. I mean, again, you can take, I, I, there are men far smarter than me, who will take those same verses and look at them and go, this does not contradict, this does not teach flat earth. Nowhere in these scriptures does it teach flat earth. There are words that are being used and these are translations from Hebrew words and, and, and so on. And so essentially it, it's laying something out, but it can when we look at it from where we know what is real, I don't read into that anything. I don't read into that. And and again, what David is insinuating is because these ancient people believed this. That's what was written in the Bible because it's not the word of God. It was not given by God. It was what they wrote on their own based on what they were being, cultures around them were teaching. So again, you are working in the area, in the, the, uh, M.O., the modus operandi of Satan right now, David. You are stepping into Lucifer's land by starting to go, did God really say, or did they just write this because this is what the ancient people believed? Hey, what's going on here? But here's the problem. Not all, but many Christians believe that because the Bible is Scripture, because it's the Word of God and God-breathed, it cannot be wrong about anything. It is inerrant. In other words, the Bible is a book of divine facts. For example, consider this quote from a popular Christian website. When all the facts are known, the scriptures will be shown to be wholly true in everything they affirm, whether that has to do with doctrine or morality or with the social, physical, or life science. Okay, and he completely skipped over what they wrote in here in their original autographs and properly interpreted. So, again, where the Mormons interpret three heavens as three, it's not properly interpreted. It's, 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 it's twisted. It's taken out. And, and it, we believe that the Bible is inerrant in the word of God in its original autographs. So, am I, am I you know, taking a cop out and going, well, there's mistranslations and things like that. People can take the same data and interpret it differently. You have people who believe in, in the, the gap theories, that each six of the six days is not literal 24-hour periods, where many people do, and they can, again, smarter people than me, go talk to Ken Ham and Jason Lyle, and uh, I wish I could remember that lady's name, and I, it's, it's just gone. It slipped my head. Um, but anybody over at, at the Ark Encounter at Answers in Genesis, and they can lay out for you how six literal days in a young earth fit perfectly within the scientific realm. But, and again, you're and not that I'm a huge fan of the Gospel Coalition at the moment, but you're misquoting them, David. You're literally on your page. You are taking words and you're leaving out a very key issue. Like you don't think anybody's going to actually read what you're saying? Or read what's on the screen behind. You're just going to highlight the little things that you say and leave out a, a key phrase. 
in their original autographs and properly interpreted. What the original authors wrote down that God inspired is absolutely accurate and is not wrong, even in matters of science, in their, their, you know, their uneducated, unenlightened, like as if these people were absolutely just brain dead and only now are we smart enough to know that they really didn't know what they knew. I mean, there are, there are plenty of scriptures that come back off of this, and we'll get there in a minute. I'm going to let you keep going because I don't want to be here for 20, 30 minutes. What the prophets say is what God says, and no human error is mixed in with it. This is what Mormons have taught for, for years as well. What the prophets say is what God says. That's a great place to pause it. But again, you and you're, you have to put in the caveat of, well, they can be wrong because half of them are wrong. And Joseph Smith had a prophetic record of less than 10% of the prophecies he gave actually came true. So you had to come back. But you're one of the, the famous quatrains of, of the Mormon church, one of the vignettes, mottos, phrases, slogans, call it what you want, is that God does nothing except that he... Let, tell his prop or something to that effect. It's a horrible paraphrase, but God doesn't do anything without revealing it to his prophets. But yet how many things has happened since 1830 that none of the modern day prophets knew about or were able to deal with or whatever. Right? So again, you're, you're almost contradicting the, your own teachings of the LDS church with stuff like that. If this is what you believe about scripture, when you find things like this incorrect model of the universe in the Bible, it may be troubling to you. So everything I thought, everything I am, is a lie. And different people handle this issue in different ways. Some people will end up rejecting the Bible as inspired scripture. Other people, since the Bible simply can't be wrong, will reinterpret it in such a way that it veers away from this model of the universe. Others will adopt a more narrow view of inerrancy. The Bible might get some science stuff wrong, but everything else is right. And others will pause to reevaluate some of these deeper assumptions about the Bible they've brought to the table. Maybe the whole idea of inerrancy itself amounts to a misunderstanding of how this rotary phone is supposed to be used. For example, Pete Enns, who is a professor of biblical studies at Eastern University, wrote, Genesis and modern science are neither enemies nor friends, but two different ways of describing the world according to the means available to the people living at these different times. It is important to remember that God always speaks in ways that people can actually understand. In the ancient world, people held certain views about the world around them. Those views are also reflected in Genesis. If we keep this in mind, much of the conflict can subside. Okay, but here's the problem. Many of those cultures and so on had, had a plurality of gods. And God came in and said, no, you are wrong. So why would not God come in and say you are wrong about these things? Where in reality, he did. Okay, so you've got this, this place where your, your interpretation is saying that it's incorrect. I look at this and I go, I don't, I don't see that it is absolutely what this flat earth supported on pillars because there are actual scriptures that say God hangs the earth from nothing. It's not set on pillars. It says that he sits above the circle of the earth. The Bible makes it very clear that the earth is a globe and it is not suspended from anything. And when we look at the word of God, 
we look at the entire Word of God. It's called systematic theology, and we let the Bible interpret the Bible. We don't go, well, we have to interpret it from the scientific place where we go, okay, well, that couldn't possibly be right. Those people just couldn't understand it. It's not like those people had less brain function or ability to comprehend than we do now. I mean, we have different technologies, but and and... And God in his wisdom has chose to reveal those things in the way that he did and by his good pleasure. But again, to say that, well, God doesn't contradict the, the cultures and the ability to know. No, because no. he does. He comes in many times and says, you have to change the way you think on this. It's literally what repentance means to change the way you think. And so understanding that and looking at the fact that that the whole of the, the scripture makes it clear that this is not teaching that the earth is flat. This is not inaccurate. It's not like God didn't understand or just decided to lie to the people because that was what the culture was giving them. No, that you are turning, again, you're doing to God, you're making God out to be what the Mormons have made God out to be, just a man who's getting better or whatever, who's progression, progressing in his own, in his own sense, in his own ability to, in his own power and so on. It's easy for Mormons to do this. We know that God didn't, there's nothing that God doesn't already know. And so when we see that, and it talks about the firmament and this and that and, and so on, it's not that it's teaching this flat earth, dome, whatever. I mean, I would look at that and I would look at that word firmament and go, God has placed the atmosphere that is keeping our oxygen in away from the what is not in space and using some, again, the words that are being used Maybe there there was no ability to translate space from air or whatever. You know, again, this is before water and land was created. So, you know, they're trying to figure out what is what is what is here, you know, waters from waters. And again, it, it, I'm not surprised by that, but it doesn't mean that this method of well the the early Persian or science or whatever he said, they believe this. So that's what got written in the Bible. And so it really wasn't God. And, and, and we'll get to, we'll get to the point. I'm going to let him finish going and then I'll, I'll, I'll explain why all this is, why this is all coming out the way it is. God tailors revelation to the understanding and cultural context of the imperfect people who receive, interpret, and express that revelation. It's okay for scripture to use an incorrect model of the universe to convey a message that is. You're saying that God is a liar. I mean, that, that is, that is in so many words saying that God lies to people because of where they are in their comprehension. And that's blasphemy. Is astronomically, no pun intended, more important that God is the creator. Is God trying to deceive people? Of course not. That said, this concept may lead to the question, if there can be things in the Bible that simply aren't true, how can we believe anything the Bible has to say? 
This is one reason why some people grasp onto this idea of biblical inerrancy so tightly, because as another popular Christian website says, if the Bible is fallible, we as Christians have nothing on which to base our beliefs. That's true. And even though we Latter-day Saints reject the idea of biblical inerrancy, many of us ask this same question about modern prophets. If they can get things wrong sometimes, how can I trust anything they have to say? But imagine if we extended this logic into other realms of life. For example, on occasion, your eyes might deceive you. Does that mean you should just wear a blindfold all the time? Sometimes modern science gets things wrong. You heard about Pluto? It's messed up, right? Mm. Should we just abandon science altogether? Of course not. Despite the possibility for error, everyone still has rational faith that things like science and your eyes are reliable sources. I think the same principle applies to the scriptures and modern prophets. Now, in this episode, we've explored just one way we might be using the Bible, our spiritual rotary phone, incorrectly. There are lots of other important factors we need to consider as we approach scripture, but we'll save those for future episodes. If you want to learn more about this subject, check out... All right, we're done. Um, I'm not going to sit and listen to the rest of that. Um, so here's why they have to come up with this. Why, why Mormons have to come out and go, well, yeah, the Bible can be wrong on these things. Let's look at some of the, th when Bible is, it's not a science book. God did not give us the Bible to go, this is science and we're going to break it all down. But when the Bible deals with issues of science, it is always right. Case in point, circumcision, eighth day. Was it just an arbitrary number that God threw out to Abraham to say, on the eighth day, circumcise your babies? Because that just seems cool, right? We did seven Sabbath, so we're moving on to eight. Was it just an arbitrary number like that? Fast forward, 1984, Holt Pediatrics. This is a textbook, pediatric textbook, Whole Pediatrics, 1984. Look it up. Talks about prothrombin K. This is an element in the blood for that helps blood clot. We have, you know, we when baby boys are born, they have about a 20% of normal amount of prothrombin K in their bloodstream. That builds up to 100% by day number seven in perfectly healthy. We're not talking, you know, we have anemic children and stuff like that that they don't get there, right? But in the normal average human child, day number seven, 100% of normal level of prothrombin K. Day number eight, 120% of prothrombin K. Day number nine, and the rest of that child's life, barring health issues and so on, 100%. On the eighth day, there is an overabundance of this clotting mechanism, uh, amino, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I don't know what to actually call it, okay? Um, it's not, it's not an amino acid, enzyme, whatever it is, but this component of the blood, prothrombin K, is a, a, the only time that is in an overabundance is on the eighth day of a child's life, of a little boy's life, which gives the greatest opportunity for coagulation and clotting of the blood when the child is circumcised. Coincidence? 
I think not. God knew, and this is why God chose. Again, we have scriptures that says that the, that He hung the earth in the, in, off of nothing. It's suspended in the air. He talks about the circle of the earth. We see things about weather patterns and, and, and so on. And all these things where the Bible does deal with things that we can look at from an aspect of science, it's always right. But it was not created to be a science book. So again, to say that these people believed this, and so that's why it got written in the Bible, what with, uh, the reality would be is this is what God revealed to his people in the, and who wrote down those things, whoever was the original authors of Genesis and so on. He revealed that to him that this is how I created, and somebody misinterpreted that to give this flat earth, firmament, water, whatever uh, model off of a mistranslation of what God actually said in his revealed word was the creation. And we will look back at it and we will go based on what we know now about the earth and what we see in other places in scripture. We know that this is what God was saying when he created this. So I have no problem with it. I have no problem to come back and go. The Bible is inerrant. As long as, you know, based on the original autographs and what was intended by those authors, authorial intent. And then we can look at all of the the manuscripts that we have, the myriad, thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands of manuscripts, ancient, partial, full of different books of the Bible, and we can compare those and corroborate and say what we have now, what my ESV translation is, is probably about 99.9% to what the autograph said. Because of just the massive amount of, of manuscript evidence that we have that we can compare. I mean, again, nobody's questioning Homer's Iliad and the the, auto, the the manuscripts that we have, we don't have the autographs of it either. But the manuscripts of it we have is are hundreds of years older or, or later from the originals than any of the Bible stuff we have. I mean, we literally have segments of, of Bible manuscripts that are within 50 to 100 years of the originals. The closest we have to Homer's Iliad is 500 years and there's only like maybe eight or nine i think i think homer's has the most and it's up in the 20s manuscripts of this and no one questions that that's actually what homer wrote but we have exponentially more proof and more manuscript evidence of the bible and everybody's questioning it it does not make sense we can trust in the inerrancy of God's word. And so then we can look at and we can go back and we don't have to eisegete these things back into the, the text. And the reason why Mormons are so good at this and they're so willing to jump on this is David said, they don't affirm the inerrancy of the Bible. They don't affirm that the Bible is accurate and they can't because none of their other scripture is accurate either. And they have to be able to go, well, you know, even God made mistakes in this stuff. So it's okay that Joseph Smith completely botched these other things. And that the Book of Mormon has been changed well over 3,000 times. 
and that it's absolutely been proven that the Pearl of Great Price in the book of Abraham could not have been and were not written by this person, by Abraham, by his own hand, or by anybody else's. It's a fabrication of Joseph Smith's imagination based off of some Egyptian papyri that he thought he could buy and con his entire body of believers. That's why they have to do this. The Mormon church is lying to you and has been for a hundred, almost 200 years. Coming very close to 200 years. They've been lying to you and deceiving you and leading people to hell. And now they can come up and go, well, you know, this is why. My Mormon friend, run. Get out of this false religion that cannot offer any kind of salvation. Repent and trust the true gospel of the true Christ. Second person of the triune God, the true God of Israel. Not a fabrication of Joseph Smith's imagination, a man who is continuing on to be a god and so on and so forth and and eternally regressing into an impossible beginning or non-beginning, lack of a beginning. And my Christian friend, preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They're necessary. Until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.